Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Welcome to today's episode of the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast. I'm Sean McKinley, and joining me today is my co-host, Joy Hensley. Hey, Joy, how are you? Great. How are you? You know, I am really excited about today's episode. We've been launching into new territory with this podcast, doing some of these live interviews. We've gotten some great feedback, and we have just been so excited about our guests today. Yeah, let's tell them who it is. Okay, well, I do want to mention, you know, we did a a children's ministry survey at the beginning of the year, kind of our annual survey to assess where everybody is at. And one of the things, 60% of the people that we surveyed said that the past years, you know, all the craziness with the pandemic had really motivated them to become better leaders. And so that was really encouraging to hear. We've all been shut indoors and uh, ministry has been pressed on pause or at least looks very different than it, it did previous to the pandemic. And uh, so a lot of us have been thinking, boy, this is an opportunity to invest in ourselves, become better leaders. And uh, we have a book uh, that you and I have been reading recently, and we have the author of that book with us today that uh, I think will really help people who want to grow to become better leaders. Uh, And so I think I'm going to let Joy introduce our our guest today and tell us a little bit about more who, who we have with us. Yes, well, today we are so excited that we have Esther Moreno, and Esther has dedicated her life to reaching this next generation for Christ. She has over 15 years of children's ministry experience across various churches and denominations. She is one of the hosts of Children's Ministry Today on Fishbowl Radio Network. In addition to hosting monthly live webinars on social media, she leads virtual trainings for children's ministry departments all over the country. Esther is a gifted speaker, teacher, and author. She holds a master's in Christian education from Ashland Theological Seminary. Esther is dedicated to training church leaders and children's ministry workers on the effective delivery of engaging children's messages, offering resources to assist children's ministry workers and parents in the spiritual development of their children, and finally using digital media to create a network of men and women committed to reaching the next generation for Christ. Esther currently attends Life Church of Huntsville, Alabama, Roll Tide, where she resides with her husband and their two beautiful children, Grace and Gideon. So Esther, we are so pumped and excited and over the moon to have you with us here today. Yay, I'm so so excited. Yes, and (laughs) we need to know a little bit more about you before we, we want to dig into these questions. So we want to know how you got started in children's ministry and Kind of how it became your niche. Yeah. Um, so I will say I am a PK. I'm in the PK club. And uh, my dad is actually a retired Presbyterian minister, uh, which was, I mean, it was, it was so, it was such a unique, you know, position as a PK, you know, growing up in the church. And of course, I eventually got my call uh, to seminary. And I remember my mom like, freaked out like no pick another career <laughs> my mom I, I gotta listen to the Lord <laughs> but you know just um going through that and 
really it was that experience. I learned so much in seminary, but it was really my experience growing up in the church that really kind of led me into children's ministry, which is crazy because I thought I, I didn't even like kids. I, I do not have a romantic, you know, some people have this romantic story with children's ministry, like something crazy happened and they knew for all eternity that children's ministry was their niche. No, that didn't happen to me. I thought kids were sticky, icky, <laughs> gooey. Because <laughs> they are. Yes. Yeah, like, oh my, I'm like, this kid is yelling. Someone gets this kid. So it was so funny, but just helping my dad out, you know, you know, we always end up really helping out with the kids and youth ministry. And I helped out a lot with the kids. And it was really and just in those scenarios where God began to cultivate this heart out of nowhere for children. And it continued to grow and grow and grow that by the time I got out of seminary, I knew exactly what I was doing. Okay, time to apply to be a children's pastor. So that's really how I got started. I awesome. love that story, Esther. I am a fellow PK here. So Yay! I'm in the club as well. <laughs> and you know, my, my story is very similar to yours, actually. Uh, you know, my dad was in ministry and, and my mom, nobody else wanted to do children's ministry. So my mom did it. <laughs> and I was her helper. And so kind of growing up in that ministry, it eventually became my call too. So I love that. I love that story. You're carrying on ministry, but it looks yeah. a lot different than your father. So that's yes, awesome. It does. <laughs> <laughs> well, Esther, I failed to mention at the beginning of our podcast, you have this brand new book, which Joy and I have really enjoyed reading. Uh, it's called The Progressive Children's Ministry Leader. And you know what I love about this book? So there are so many great children's ministry books out there. Okay, let me say that before I criticize. Uh, <laughs> many of the books are kind of these ethereal things. There aren't many practical, applicable things in the book. And your book, this new book, well, all your books, but but this book has some a lot of practicality to it. And you've made it very accessible to people um, that they can take and apply to their ministry. I just think it's awesome. So congratulations on the book. I, I'm telling you guys, this was my most triumphant project because I wrote it during a pandemic. And I want you to know that I am a mom. Okay. I'm a wife. That's enough. I can just stop right there. Right. <laughs> I mean, just the, the chaos, you know, yeah. of everything, you know, moving virtual and online. Apparently I became a virtual school teacher as well. I did not <laughs> sign up for that, but the teachers would not return my phone calls. So apparently I had to do it. Right completely crazy season, but God was just so faithful and he was just feeding me these things. So just super excited to get that book out, to get that project out. And I remember I called it the progressive children's ministry leader and my husband was freaking out. He was like, well, what are we going to call it? And I said, I wanted to be called the progressive children's ministry leader. He's like, you can't say progressive. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. You know what type of political, you know, war we're in right now? Like, you can't say that. I'm like, you cannot change the definition of progressive. This book sure. is for leaders, for children's ministry leaders, for children's ministry workers who are all about moving forward. They're all about fresh ideas and thinking and doing all that they can to create innovative ideas in order to move their children's ministry forward to reach the next generation for Christ effectively. And if you know the world we live in today, 
The truth is whatever you want it to be. So it's so important that we're going forth in children's ministry with a spirit of excellence. But if we don't have those practical tips on how to do, we all say we want to do that, right? But if we don't have those practical tips on how to do that, it gets really hard. And now I think it is so important, probably more now than ever to really be doing that and uh, implementing those tools to really reach tomorrow's generation. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier in in the uh, episode here, that a lot of people, I think, are kind of pressing reset in children's Mm -hmm. ministry. And so this is a great time to pick up that mantle of excellence and say, hey, I want to do this and I want to do it well. So you... uh, you, I'm going to mention your chapter titles because I don't think we plan to do this at any other point, but you talk about progressive leaders are readers, mm-hmm. progressive leaders are vision-driven, they are team-oriented, progressive leaders are organizers, progressive leaders value people. Boy, chapter six really hit me. Progressive leaders are not easily offended. We'll talk about that more in a moment. And progressive leaders are spirit You can just talk about that for like the whole time, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I'm I'm 30 years in children's ministry, so you want to talk about offense? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but you, the first chapter really caught me because it's something that I have I have said to other children's ministry leaders. You mentioned about leaders are readers, yes. and you listed uh, several children's ministry books that are, I think are are so foundational and. And everyone in children's ministry should read and they'll benefit from. But we were wondering, sort of outside of children's ministry, are there other, uh, you know, sort of genre of books that you find helpful uh, in ministry and leadership? And and maybe tell us a little bit more about them. Oh, my goodness. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I am a firm believer. Um, We can't be so overly spiritual that we're not willing you know, to go outside of Christian books to really gain information about the world, even how we do ministry. I think that that is uh, super important. And I I have a couple books. Can I tell you a couple of the amazing books? You know, one of the things that I do, even, you know, uh, one workshop I do has a lot to do with reaching kids in the digital age. There, There aren't a lot of Christian books, you know, out there that kind of really talks about that, which means I have to go outside of our Christian bubble and make sure that I'm reading the book so that I'm ready so that I know what's coming so that I can really use that uh, for the glory of God. But I have a few books. Um, The first one that really kind of took me off in children's ministry in terms of doing conferences and things like that is called The Magic of Thinking Big. And I mean, I just, and it's this really thick book. (laughs) It can be really intimidating. But I love like reading books through Audible and like listening to them. And I can't tell you, I have read this book so many times. It's by David Schwartz. And it is, it will just inspire you and encourage you to think big in children's ministry. Sometimes we can think so small, but God wants us to think big. And we serve a big God so he can handle the big requests. Okay. He can handle us thinking a little bigger. So I've just loved that book. Um, Finish. I love this book, Finish, uh, by John Acuff. I mean, he, he's just a phenomenal author. I, I struggled in children's ministry. With, I, would, I would have goals, but actually finishing them. So having this book just uh, inspired me to finish, to experience the joy of being done. Like, oh my goodness, this is tr- transformative for me. Winning with People by John Maxwell. I love that book. I think it's so important. We are in a ministry 
where we work with people. <laughs> and we can completely be losing with people because we do not have the necessary skills we're working with people. Well, that's okay. You don't have to have the necessary skills. This is why we have to read certain books to help us learn what 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 do we need to be doing in order to win with people. Everybody wants to win with people. So absolutely love that book. I have two more because I love this one. It is How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. And I love that one. I tell you my most powerful season in children's ministry, it wasn't even when I was the leader. It was when I was a follower. And I just, I mean, it, it, I, I just learned so much. It was so fun. I have to tell you, not throwing any names. And I've worked for multiple congregations. So no one's going to know if I'm talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I remember just serving in a ministry. And I, I learned how poor of a leader I was by actually serving. And I, I remember this one season, I was just so frustrated. I was serving as a volunteer and I was so frustrated. Why isn't this person doing this? Why isn't this person doing that? And I remember the Lord, I had that moment where he was like, you are that man, Esther. <laughs> like This is the type of lead. This is why I want you to serve so that you can see this. And when I throw you back in the trenches, now you're going to be ready because now you know how it feels on the other end. So just, um, I love this book because it really talked about uh, how to lead well when you're not the person who is necessarily, you know, with the, with the title, but learning how to lead well and work with the leader, with the person who does have, you know, that title. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's so, it's so many books. My favorite one though, I'm going to tell you, is called The Aladdin Factor. And I've read this a few times. So it's by Mark Hansen and Jack Canfield. And this is all about not being afraid to ask. In children's ministry, we always have to ask for things and we can't be afraid. And so many times I feel like we say no for people. We, we, we say, oh, no, we can't ask this person for help. No, we can't go to senior leadership and ask for this. No, we, you know, uh, they have too much on their plate. This person has all this stuff going on at home, even if God is leading us to ask them. And this is just all about getting over that fear and asking for what you want and <laughs> believing God to do that. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we could talk about this all day. There are so many amazing books out there on leadership that I really do attach myself to. Cool. Well, Joy, Joy is much more of an avid reader than I am, but I am a reader. So now we have some new books we've got to get on Amazon and order <laughs> a little bit later. So thanks for sharing that. And, um, you know, I, I, one of the things I appreciate about uh, the first chapter is it wasn't just about reading, but it's about applying what you read. If, if you just read to read, it really is pointless. And you say in the book, progressive leaders vigorously evaluate the health of their ministries by scrutinizing every area of potential improvements. And so as we read, we have to be looking for ways to improve. Uh, you mentioned best practices. Uh, earlier, you, meant, you mentioned sometimes we don't know how to access innovative ideas or tools. And um, you really talk about reading is about being better tomorrow yeah. than we are today. So I love that. So uh, you mentioned earlier you had struggled um, sort of how to create your goals um, from the things that you were reading. So how do you suggest or encourage people to create goals and then apply what they have read? Oh my goodness. You guys, application is king when you are reading a book. If you are not applying 
what you read, then you might as well put the book down. <laughs> There's no point in reading it. But, you know, um, one of the good lessons that I learned uh, when it comes to this. So there is a book called Fervent by Priscilla Shire. Love her. Everyone loves the Evans family. They're absolutely amazing. But, you know, she writes this book. And I, my favorite part of the book wasn't even necessarily the book, but she forces you to stop and create a prayer strategy after every chapter. So by the time you're done with the whole book, you have this huge prayer strategy for the year. And I think that is so important when we are reading to stop, to absorb. Okay, what did I get out of this chapter? What can I use and implement in my children's ministry? You know, and just really slow down. You know, one of the things I like to do is I like to have like a visible board up whatever it is it has to be visible that has goals on there you gotta have your vision it needs to be visible we you know my husband and I we came up with we come up with like yearly like annual goals it makes us feel better instead of new year's resolutions we come up with goals I'm like oh my goodness here we go again but it was so funny one year he said I'm gonna hang this up and he put it in the closet and you know and and it closed the door and I'm like you're never gonna we're never going to get these goals done because we can't see them. So I think just having those visible goals and making weekly goals. I think weekly goals are so important. Have that vision there. What is the vision? You know, you're reading this book. This is great. I need you to have this a part of my vision. Now have another board or or another poster, whatever you want up. Make sure that you can see it. It can be on your computer as soon as you open up your computer so that you can see that and say this week, Based off of my vision, I'm going to do this on Sunday with the kids. Or I'm going to play music in the hallways and and make it feel more warm as families are coming in. I mean, there's so many things that we can do, but we have to apply what we read. And I, you know, I'm a firm believer. If you're not getting anything out of a book and it is not feeding you at all, after the first couple of chapters, Okay, get rid of it. Okay, let's come on. Let's read a book. <laughs> but we're getting, you know, getting things, you know, out of it because every book is not for everybody. If you're not getting something from, you know, from each chapter to really take with you to use in your ministry, maybe this isn't the book for you. You need to go to another book. But just slowing down and just absorbing, you know, the the content so that that's the purpose, right? To help your ministry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you made several statements in your book, Esther, and some of them were in bold and um, metallicized. And one of them, though, I wanted to bring up, and it says, all of us in children's ministry ought not to just be functioning from service to service, but we should be building with the future in mind. Now, this was a little personal for me, not going to lie, (laughs) when I read that, because I feel like sometimes I do, in all honesty, function from service to service. Um, So my question for you is, what are some ways that we can live out the here and now, but also keep that vision central? Oh, my goodness. Um, So many ways. I will say it is so easy to get stuck in the status quo, you know, of leadership to where you just kind of just there and you're just functioning. I remember when I first, you know, got hired, you know, to my first children's ministry position. I like this is probably every position I've been hired for. <laughs> you know, you come in, you're super excited. Uh, you you're excited, you know, to see how God is going to use you in a unique way to bring something. And then what? A year or two later, you're just trying to maintain events. You are the coordinator of all things 
you know, events and, you know, just things like that. But I want to say it's so easy. I've been stuck in that before. You know, when it comes to thinking about the future, what? (laughs) You know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to look good in front of senior leadership. (laughs) I, I, I want them to say, you know, I'm doing a good job, but it's so important. Our mission is so much bigger than the four walls of our church. And we got to remember that the mission that God has given us. So, you know, I think it's so important that we, we understand the community that we're in. We understand the demographics. We sit down with senior leadership and with our children's ministry teams and every leadership team there and really discuss what, what, what are we going for? What is God speaking to us based off of our church, based off of our context, based off of the community that we're in? What does it look like to reach families outside of these four walls? What does it look like? What do we want it to look like to reach families and who, who, who are here? You know, and, and what does God want it to look like? These are things that we constantly have to be uh, reassessing. I think in children's ministry, we always have to assess, assess, assess. You know, uh, every month, if not quarterly, I think that uh, teams should be coming together and it's not a planning meeting, but really a vision meeting and reassessing. Let's look at these. Let's look at the vision. Let's look at the goals. What are we doing to hit boom, boom, boom? You know, all of these markers uh, that we put in place. So, hey, I'm not going to give all y'all the secrets because I want you to get the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, you know, you're really you're hitting on vision. I was going to ask you earlier about vision boards, because I know that's a big thing following you on on um, on social media. So that was yeah. really cool to hear, hear <laughs> how you use those personally and in ministry. But vision, we know, is attractive in ministry. It gets people excited. It gets them involved. It gets everybody moving in the same direction. Um, so, you know, when we talk to a leader like you, uh, who certainly is becoming a leading and emerging voice in children's ministry in so many ways. Um, sometimes we put you guys on a pedestal. So can you it's maybe... Bad, bad decision. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, can you maybe tell us about a time where, where you struggled with vision for your ministry or communicating it well? Can you, can you share oh, that with is, us? Oh, I mean, yes. I mean, I think that we've all, like anyone who acts like had, they have it all together and that they have always had it, all together. They're a liar. (laughs) I mean, I've had moments where I just wanted to hide under my desk, you know, and I mean, I had moments where, you know, I've been teary-eyed, you know, and just, just, just feeling lost. And I know a lot of us, we talk about vision, you know, let's have a vision. But in the beginning, when I got started in children's ministry, what what in the world is vision? (laughs) What is it? You know, I'm just trying to make sure I do a good job and and, and Lord, you know, we get super spiritual, right? Lord, we just want to please you, but we don't really come up, you know, like with a vision and just, you know, what does that look like? So it was so funny. No, I did not have a vision, you know, and let me tell you what, what happened. It, it, breed, it breeds chaos, complete mm. and utter chaos. When you don't have a structured vision, people will come up with it for you. <laughs> and right. a lot of those are forceful members or forceful <laughs> volunteers who want things their way. So when you don't have a vision, you end up lending to all of that. And it can, mm-hmm. I mean, complete chaos. I mean, we've had, you know, issues where there have been like serious fights, 
you know, in, in front of the kids because this person, this volunteer wants this, this volunteer wants this. They're fighting and I'm in the middle, like, I'm the girl in the middle, the children's ministry leader with no vision, like, mm, this is, what, what am I supposed to do, Lord, about this? I mean, it, it was just crazy. And I think, uh, of course, it was growing pains that, I, you know, I've learned since then, but yeah, just uh, it, it breeds so much confusion. In this book, I really want to encourage people to actually sit down and and just do it. And I know it it sounds easy, but it's, it's so it's more easy to miss it and to not mm. do it and just 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 kind of be uh, functioning. You know, I've been a part of ministries where you know we we have a lot of planning meetings. <laughs> we will have. Easter extravaganza <laughs> 2.0, you know, but where was the vision in this? You know, if we're not operating out of our vision, then what is the purpose? And these are real things that we need to look at in children's ministry. When we're leading, as a leader, we are responsible to help with that vision you know, and to make sure that it's clear for everyone else to catch on. Is it clear? Do people know the vision? I had a, a minister friend who kind of contacted me and he said, oh, my goodness, I was in a meeting and we were getting approved for this huge grant. And I was so excited, Esther. And they just wanted to interview me and my team. And, you know, we got on and they asked the team, what is the vision? And he said, nobody can answer it. <laughs> he said, it was the most embarrassing thing in ministry, you know, so do do our team members, do they know the vision or they, they just know that, hey, I'm preschool. Hey, I help out with this. Hey, I help out with fundraising over here. You know, so it just, it's just super, just super duper important. Super duper is like a super duper weird word, isn't it? Is that like old school super duper? No, it's super <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think I'm aging. I'm, oh, no, this is... <laughs> Well, aside from vision, you do, in chapter three of your book, you talk about how it's very important for a leader to know and understand themselves. Now, Sean will probably make fun of me when I tell you this because I'm all about like the Enneagram test and things like that because I just love, love that and I love hearing what other people's things are. Um, But I wanted to ask you, what are some simple ways that those who are listening can better learn about themselves? Oh my goodness, we have to not be afraid of feedback. Ick! That is the icky phrase. Nobody wants to get negative feedback on themselves, on the way they do ministry. But I'm telling you, it is incredible getting that feedback. You know, something that I invested in uh, when I was serving in children's ministry was a children's ministry coach. You know, I actually had a coach in children's ministry because I just, I, I remember... You know, I had just got hired for this position. I just really wanted to do a good job. And my favorite thing about my coach was, was that he was, like, so mean. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it because he would ask me questions. We would sit and, you know, we would discuss week after week. And he'd be like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, you are so critical. I mean, I remember, like, I was in tears, but it made me such a strong leader. And I remember part of the issue I did not like constructive criticism. I didn't want to hear anything negative about myself. What are you talking about? I'm Esther. I'm enthusiastic. Everybody likes me. (laughs) And he's like, no, honey. mm -mm." I mean, you know, and 
it, it, to me, that was so important. You know, even putting things out, you know, uh, to your congregation, you know, and asking, put it out to your team members, you know, and let it be something. You say, hey, this is anonymous. No one's going to know. Don't put your name on it. You know, and just submit it in this box so that they feel comfortable, you know, and just put it in there somewhere that's not near your office where you can see and have questions that you do really want to get feedback on. Hey, what do you think of my strong suits? What do you think of my not so strong suits? Because when you figure out what you're not good at, that's how you build a team. Mm. Your team should be people who are good at everything that you are not good at. I am not good at woodworking. So when I need a set built, <laughs> I need to get somebody who's really good at that, who is on my team. I need someone who's, I, maybe you're not as creative. I need to get somebody who's super creative, you know, just getting those, you know, mixed people on your team, but you can't build it if you don't know what you're not good at, or if you're in denial and you think you're good at something that you're not good at. I have, I, I have seen that we had, this wonderful, wonderful woman. She was super attached to BBS and she loved the stage part. So she would always, she would always do the acting, you know, with, you know, we did group publishing for years. And I, I remember it was a horrible sight to see because she wasn't good at acting. <laughs> and it was terrible. And I'm like, someone tell this woman she's not good at this. So we can get some junior leaders up here and make this entertaining. <laughs> but it, it, it's just so important that we get those skills and reach out to people, feedback, feedback, feedback. If you have to squint your eyes, you know, and hit the submit button and hit a, send a questionnaire, you know, I'm telling you, it is going to be worth it. And don't, don't get feedback from people who you know are just going to pat you on your back and say, oh, yeah, you're amazing, Joy, we love you. Like you have to get feedback from people who you know are going to tell you the truth and we're going to get into the spirit of offense soon so we, we won't go there yet <laughs> there you go <laughs> well uh as we keep moving sort of through the themes of your book esther um i was ready to stand up and say amen on progressive leaders are organizers that's <laughs> awesome i love that you know as uh, somebody who visits a lot of children's ministries um one of the things that frustrates me is to go into an a children's ministry that's very disorganized or kind of looks like a, a, for lack of a better term, a junkyard with a lot of just mess everywhere. And I love that you really point out um, that organizing both our personal lives and our ministry is really a matter of stewardship. And um, so I love that. So when Joy and I were kind of comparing notes about the book here, uh, one of the things that we talked about is, you know, sometimes uh, you you talk about how children's ministry can look like an episode of Hoarders. <laughs> I love because that is so true. And, uh, <laughs> and as Joe and I talked, we realized, you know, so so many times people are, are wanting to be kind-hearted in the congregation. They want to donate things uh, that maybe should just be thrown out instead yeah. of donated. So um, this is something a lot of our people who listen are smaller churches. Yeah. Uh, and so what kind of tips or suggestions do you have uh for those people who who sort of contend with this all the time, people just wanting to drop off their old stuff. Oh my goodness. Okay. This is going to be like the most simple answer. <laughs> in it. Just say no. There you I go. Mean, it, I mean, it is, we have to just be so careful and really guard our space. I remember 
that we had, we had some of the sweetest members, you know, because when you don't say no, it is going to cause a problem for you in the future. So you have, really have to think of it. You are saying no to a problem. <laughs> if you can say no to a problem, and you, I mean, you really do, but we had this, the sweetest, just the sweetest members. Hey, I, you know, uh, my grandchildren, they're not using this. Hey, uh, my, my son is now 38 and we don't use his baby toys. Can we drop? I mean, so many. And when you don't say no, we had a situation where we had gotten so much junk that we had to get a truck. We had to rent a truck at the church okay. and spend our money to get rid of all of that stuff. Those are things that you don't want to do. Those are issues that we pick up when we don't know how to say no. <laughs> well, you know, just, just a, a loving, oh, oh, that just touches my heart. I'm just so grateful for that. But you know what? We just really don't have any space for anything new. Get rid of donation boxes. If they're sitting in the narthex, <laughs> get rid <laughs> of them. And just, yeah, just really say no. I mean, for a lot of us, for, for some of us, if we're honest, saying no can be scary. Like we want, we want everybody to feel good about themselves. We want them to feel like, oh my goodness, of course I'll take the donation. You have just help the next Billy Graham with this dusty toy that you have joined. <laughs> we want them to like a million bucks, but I'm telling you, don't do it. Say no, it's going to be worth it in the future. You will see. <laughs> yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize that their ministry space is such a reflection on the ministry itself. And so uh, and again, when I'm parents too, when families yeah. come into your ministry, I, I'm going to say parents, workers who sign up to serve when they come in and they see that stuff is unorganized or they're teaching a class and they open up, you know, the cabinet to see, okay, let me look in here to see the supplies. And it looks all messed up and they're dried out markers. And this is over here and it's used paper, cut up paper over here that turns off workers. They, they, they don't, they don't, they don't see it as a ministry of excellence. So they may leave or what's worse, they stay and they they follow that mediocre, you know, just that spirit of mediocrity. They walk in that and how they reach the kids, you know, that they may be over. So it's so important. Families come in, they see stuff shuffled over. That turns them off. I'm telling you, children's ministry is so important. When people see that things are organized, they see a spirit of excellence and they want their kids and their families to be a part of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me, when we were moving into our children's area at my church, I go to an older congregation, and one of the children's leaders, she was probably in charge, probably like in the 70s and 80s. I would just find boxes of stuff with, her name was Wanda, with Wanda's name on it. And everyone was like, what are you going to do with this? And I was just like, just remove your emotions and put it in the black bag. <laughs> like, we have to get rid of it. <laughs> so, but yeah. I that a lot. I think COVID has really helped out those ministries where they had issues with people bringing stuffed animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Now we can just blame COVID. I'm sorry. Based off of um, COVID guidelines, we can no longer. <laughs> but that was over like two years ago. We're going to be saying that three years from now. Like, based off of COVID restrictions, <laughs> it's okay. You can use it as an excuse. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Esther, one of the things you also talk about in your book is the importance of getting close to people. Um, 
But sometimes there can be a little bit of attention there, and we don't really know how close is too close. Um, we have friendships, we have spiritual matters that happen. So as children's ministry leaders, how can we be vulnerable and transparent, but also still kind of have that respect and privacy that we that we need? Yeah, you know, I'm a firm believer that the people who serve under me are, they're not just volunteers. You know, I know that now, now we're not supposed to say volunteers, you know. I'm like, are they getting paid? No, okay, they're volunteers. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I make it a point that there's so much more than a volunteer. For me, they are friends. My friend Del Hudson says this all the time, that my volunteers are my friends. I, I invest in them. I build relationships with them. I know about their families. I know what's going on. I'm constantly checking in on them. But you're right. Sometimes those can grow into to, to good relationships and friendships, but we have to be careful because as leaders, I believe we still have a responsibility to cover and to protect everyone. You know, we have, and you know, maybe you guys have experienced that so many things, you know, in uh, the book before this one, Children's Ministry Wake Up Call, you know, I talked about, you know, some of the taboo topics in children's ministry. And, and one of those are uh, indiscretions, you know, it, you know, in ministry, when something may happen and or someone has fallen, you know, and those are kind of uh, dicey uh, topics. Those are things that we, we want our, our, th- those people who serve under us and alongside us to, to know that we're not perfect. We want to be transparent in ways like that. But it's a fine line with gossiping and backbiting. When we get too close to where we feel comfortable to share things that we know in our spirits that we should not be sharing. The Holy Spirit will let us know, but we make it spiritual, don't we? I just really want you to pray for brother so-and-so because he has been going through a lot. And, you know, and it's really because I just want you to pray. This is why I'm gossiping and backbiting, you know, about this. But we have to just be on guard. It is our job to cover. I remember as a uh, children's pastor, I always just felt really responsible for the senior leadership. I'm like, we are leadership here. Like, this is my family. I have to cover this family. I have to protect this family. Even when I didn't agree with my family members all the time, I should remember having this. When I remember when the pastor would preach, I'm thinking, he, that's my family. This is my family. I have to cover. Hey, uh, he tells a joke. No one's laugh, laughing. I'm laughing super hard. Like I be like, <laughs> like I know my family, and I have to support and protect the family. You know, so you are so right with that. We have to make sure that there's a fine line and pray and ask God to help us. Especially if we come on if we know we got a problem with our mouth. Most people have issues with their mouth and know they have issues with their mouth. <laughs> We just, and God knows we have issues. So just be honest and transparent. With God. God help me. I, I you know, I, I'm, I am itching, you know, because the enemy will come in and try to and convince us and turn it into a spiritual matter on why, you know, we need to gossip and backbite about things. But just, I'm telling you, just show your vulnerability, you know, and, and keep things that need to be kept 
just keep up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to chapter six, okay? We've been talking a little bit. We're dancing around chapter six. Uh, progressive leaders are not easily offended. And I love this quote that you have featured in your book. The offense you hold today will sabotage your success tomorrow. And I've been around children's ministry long enough to know that there's a lot of people who carry around offense. Sometimes we feel like we serve in a ministry that's not as valued or appreciated. People don't see what we do. Uh, and, and I see it so often uh, when I'm visiting children's ministers. And another great quote that you have in the book, uh, leaders must not be tossed to and fro by petty disputes, but must recognize that their heavenly assignment will carry with it some battle scars. And boy, I, I just love that quote. Um, yeah. You know, as children's ministers, we, we have to deal with our pastors. We have to deal with other church staff. We have to deal with parents and volunteers and even the kids sometimes. And there's yeah. just so much. We're, we're very open uh, to situations that could cause offense. So can you maybe share with us just a little bit about the spiritual aspects of this chapter, what you're dealing with there, and how it really is a hurdle for many of us in children's ministry? Yeah, I, I think we need to remember that we're all, we all go through offense. Like we all go through offense. We, we've all offended. We've been guilty of offending other people, whether we, you know, like it or not, accept it or not. We have, you know, we've all been on both ends of that. You know, my dad is a retired Presbyterian minister. And what I didn't share was part of his ministry in the Presbytery. He would go to broken churches, broken, unhealthy churches. So, I mean, whatever church that had an issue and a problem, they would send our family there. I mean, mm. drama, strife, craziness. And once they got healthy, they would move us again to another mm. broken church. I mean, talk about the spirit of offense. We have had our, uh, growing up as a kid, we've had our, our windows in our car just knocked out with bricks by the church secretary. <laughs> I mean, these are the crazy scenarios, you know, and I, I will never forget my dad. He was at a, he was at another church and I can't believe he retired. I mean, in the ministry with that being his ministry, but I, it's something I, I know that God gave him, but you know, something that is really hard is when people are attacking your kids, like, right. you know, we get mama bear, papa bear, when people are messing with our kids. And I remember I was over a program that they call Christian Academy and the you know church did it every summer, and you know I got the gig because hey, I'm the you know pastor's daughter. So I remember doing it, and you know this woman got so upset and angry with me. Had to do with her daughter, not she daughter never showed up to rehearsal. You know for one of those you know things we were doing, and she got so upset. She like I remember she screamed at me, she yelled at me. I'm crying like in the Narthex Commons area, like. Why is she shouting? Like, it was the most embarrassing. I remember I went back into the office and in my dad, in my dad's office, and I'm sitting there and I'm literally, you know, a young adult. I, I've, it, it's like a brown paper bag moment. Like, I have never, like, like hyperventilated. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm so upset. Like, it was crazy. And I remember my dad. He, I remember how he responded to it. It never left me. It is why it has given me strength to stay in ministry up to this day. When people offend me, I remember he goes out there. He was so he was so upset, like, "Oh, you attacked my baby!" And he went out there and he just he he loved on this woman. 
he was kind to this woman to the point to where she was ashamed, you know, and she comes to his office, you know, the next uh, day and says, you, you know, what it the devil made me do it. <laughs> but I mean, she comes up, you know, with all this stuff, but he has so much grace for her. And I will never forget. I knew my dad was upset. I knew he wanted to rip her head off for how she treated me, you know, but he, he didn't because he knew the mission was so much greater and so much bigger. And I really believe that to this, to this day, it, that lesson taught me on what my response to be in ministry. My dad was so always so focused on the mission because when you're in a you know position like that, you are constantly facing, you know, offense. People are not always going to agree with you. People, God will give you a message and there will be people and naysayers who will mm. come in and scratch your eyeballs out. <laughs> it just make you feel like a terrible person and in tears, you know? So we have just, we have, you know, the, one of the, the chapters I wrote in the book was just about being spirit led this is why we have to constantly be spirit led we have to constantly be investing in our personal relationship with god and not replace ministry like ministry and personal relationship with god those that's kind of you know you we have to be careful that we don't say oh well i do ministry so that's enough that is my that's my service to god i do ministry and we're not spending time with god because it's in that quiet time it's in god's presence that he gives us strength to deal with that offense, that he gives us wisdom to on how to respond in those ways when we're hurt. And that kind of leads us to, you know, forgive the jerks, (laughs) (laughs) the Christian jerks out there. (laughs) God loves them too. And sometimes, sometimes we're the Christian jerk. (laughs) Well, you just mentioned the spirit led or the spirit sensitive, I think um, you call it in your book. And one of the things that you shared a little bit on was Christ's promise to us about the greater works that we'll accomplish as believers. And I personally love that passage, but I think sometimes that concept can be a little hard for us to even think, just mentally, even to understand and for us to get behind. So my question is, why do you think that is so hard for us to get behind as believers? Oh my goodness. So that was probably one of my favorite chapters in the book. Okay, it was a tie between the offense one because <laughs> I've been offended so many times. <laughs> but I mean, just the spirit led one, just because I think that it, it sounds so basic, but mm. so many of us miss this important element. I mean, it is the foundation. And I think that we make it so difficult, but God just, he just really wants to be in the center of everything that we do. That's all it is. He, he wants to just lead everything. He, he, he wants you to relax. He, he wants your burdens to be light. But so often they're so heavy because we take it from them and we're carrying all these boulders and everything on ourselves because we're trying to do it. He's like, Sean, I want to help you. Joy, I want to help you. I want to be, I, I know I, I got this. You follow me. <laughs> and I, you know, and I will show you, you know, and really, for me, and I and I feel like it sounds so cliche, but you know, we we're actually getting ready for a virtual conference, you know, that I'm doing next month. And I remember just praying over it. You know, I said, Lord, I know you have all of this. I just want God, I just want to invite your presence in. You know, we're building a, a set. Lord, build it. I want you to give the instructions for what you want. You know, I we, we with the hands 
of the person who's working on it and, and being every creative element, just inviting God into to every piece. That that's all it is. But if we if we don't take out the time to pray, if I could have done another chapter in that book, it would have been literally completely centered around prayer. Like, come on, why are we doing what we do if we don't believe that we are serving a God who is alive and who is active and who wants to move for our good? But the enemy will come in and convince us to, it's okay, you're busy. God knows you're busy in ministry. Don't, don't feel bad. He loves you. Don't pray. Like it is in my prayer closet where I get reignited to go forth and to do everything that I do. And the ideas that I get, it's in that prayer closet. The favor that I get, the ways that are made, the volunteers who come up to me when God knows I need a volunteer. <laughs> but I've, I've shared it with him in that prayer closet. He handles it all. And I think that is something that we miss so much, but it's got to be the foundation of everything that we do. Don't make it hard. I mean, there are some days where God will say, hey, Esther, I know, hi, I know you're busy, uh, but um, I'm going to need for you to cancel all of that and just spend time with me today, you know, and, and I'm telling you, when I go in there and I come out, and even though my list is still like this, and I, and I, I kind of want to hyperventilate because I know that there's so much to do. There's this, this piece on me and God just handles every, he will take the little pieces of the elephant for me in ways that I'm like, oh my goodness. And had I not took out that time, who knows? So yes, just, just craziness. I could talk about that all day because I am the, I am like super, come on now. We serve, our God is amazing. I'm, I tell God all the time, you can't trick me now. Now I know you're able. <laughs> now I, I, I used to have a, a notebook it, and it was a prayer journal that I had in my children's ministry, in my desk. And every time I had a need, I would close the door. I would hit the shades and I would write that need. And I would wait up to God. I'm just believing you to move. God, the second grade teacher just stepped down. You know, we need that slot filled. I'm believing you to get that slot filled and to bring a person to me. I'm telling you, it, he is real. If you have not heard, <laughs> our God is real and he will do it when we take out that time. He will lead us in, in, in ways, sometimes to do some crazy stuff where you're like, God, that doesn't make any sense. But he will lead us, he will guide us and he will show up and never, never, never fail us when we take out that time for him. Yeah, and you were just talking a lot about prayer. And we know those spiritual disciplines are very pivotal for us to be spirit sensitive, but do you have any creative ways out maybe outside of the spiritual disciplines or just maybe some random thoughts as to a way that we can learn to be spirit sensitive? Oh, I guess. Okay. So I, I love my uh, book because a lot of the chapters I think are intertwined. You can weave mm -hmm. some of them in to, you know, in together. I love that. And I think um, one way uh we have to be careful, you know, and we talked a little bit about the spirit of offense. One way is when, when you get an itch and, and you know, you've been offended, you know, and you need to be spirit led, be quiet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't respond. I, I'm a huge proponent. If you were feeling anything that just feels icky and not right, sleep on it, just sleep on it. I don't care if you don't feel like praying, 
go pray about it. But this is some. This is one of my uh, secrets that I do. I pray God's blessings over people who annoy me the <laughs> most. I'm like, Lord, bless this person. Open up your. I mean, open up the heavens. And let me tell you something. God just unlocks something with it. Just it. There's this release of just forgiveness. I mean. Th- it is something that happens in the atmosphere when I begin to pray blessings over those who have hurt me. I mean, it has unlocked miracles, signs and wonders and, and not in my life and in theirs, you know, when I do that. So that is something that I really make it a practice. Um, I've had to grow over time. Um, I think it's OK to be honest with God <laughs> and say, Lord, I'm praying for this person who I don't even like. <laughs> You know, and, but he he gets it. He knows it. He knows our hearts, you know. Um, but that that's definitely something that um, I practice doing and being spirit led. And, and make sure you have I am big on having spiritual advisors and mentors. Don't do this thing all by yourself. You know, there was uh, one time I remember I was just really hurt and just in the season. So many things were going on. It was racial unrest. You know, I'm sure you guys have noticed I'm a black woman. <laughs> so, you know, just really? crazy. <laughs> I mean, craziness. And I remember, you know, I, I would see so many different posts and so many crazy things. And I remember I wanted to post something because I, I, I was mad. Somebody had me like, I was revved up. And I remember before I did, I called my mentor, one of my mentors, who I know has no problem telling me about myself and to get in my place. And I said, hey, I just want to call you to tell you I'm about to post this. <laughs> what do you think? And they're like, no, no, and more, no. And God had used them. Like, that was nothing but the spirit. We have to surround ourselves with wise counselors who will come in. Once again, now people are just going to tell us what we want to hear. But people who will say, no, you know, you can't bleed on the platform. You know, you, you got to, you know, cover and protect, you know, because it is it can get crazy and intense in these streets. So get good, get good friends and leaders who walk, who you have seen walk in the spirit of wisdom. Make that I'm telling you that the five closest people to you, I'm telling you, make sure that they are spiritually strong and wise so that when you are weak, you can go to them because they help out a lot. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you, Esther, for all of this today. It's just been so rich. And if people did not want to read the book before, I know they do now. So uh, can you tell us where can they buy the book? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So you. OK, so my book is available on Amazon. But if you want a personalized signed copy, I encourage you to go to my website, which is www.childheart83.com slash books. And you will see it there. And I just sit, I just pray. I just sit with God like, Lord, what does this leader need to hear? And then I just sign that book. So it's fun for me, but I'm not going to blame you if you go to Amazon, you know. Um, (laughs) I didn't know you did that. That's where I got mine. I'm disappointed. (laughs) That's right. We have to bring our uh, ICM. So we right, there. That's right. We uh, so we will have the link to the book uh, on the show notes for this podcast, as well as some of the things that we've highlighted on today's episode. Uh, the book is called "The Progressive Children's Ministry Leader," and I want to point out to you, it's got it has a feature I don't know that I've seen in any other book. 
And if, if, if you know it exists, Esther, don't tell me because I think it's so cool. Uh, but you have t- uh, tech hacks for every chapter, sort of how to integrate what we're learning in this technologically driven culture that we're in. And hey, I love that. I, so I, put, I haven't seen it. If any books, I haven't seen it. Yeah. And there, we are in, I believe that we are living in the digital age. We are living with, we are ministering to digital natives. So right. the future is digital. So we have to learn. That doesn't mean I'm not in the face-to-face communication. I love people. I love being face-to-face. But we have to, you know, we have to be cognizant. And we have to learn to gain the skills on how to learn how to do all of these things digitally as well. So I think that that's so important. And maybe this was a lazy feature that I put. I also put in, you know, kind of like review points. Right. Now I put in uh, key points that I, if, if I really want you to walk away with something in this chapter, these are kind of like the key points. And I put discussion questions in there for you to go over with your team or maybe just you kind of read over them and say, hey, this is an issue that I have. Why do I have this issue? And really try to think, you know, and, and navigate uh, through the chapters a little easier. So, yes. Sure. sure. You talk- go ahead. <laughs> I want it to be a one and done project. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, yeah, you know, uh, I was highlighting. Joy laughs at me because I highlight. I was highlighting through your book and then I got to the end of chapter one. I'm like, oh. She kind of already highlighted it for me in these key insights. So, but yeah, it's laid out wonderfully. You could do it. It's, it's a great book to read individually, but I really encourage uh, those who are listening, get it for your team. You can go through a chapter chapter at a time together. It would be great for maybe some of your uh, staff meetings uh, when you connect with your volunteers, a great resource. So again, go to childsheart83.com to get your signed uh, copy <laughs> with a special message from Esther. And we are, uh, Joy mentioned just a few moments ago, we're so thrilled Esther uh, is down to be one of our uh, speakers at this year's I'm Institute. I'm so excited. I know. Yes. I can't wait. So uh, you will want to make plans to join us in November in Asheville, North Carolina. So uh, on behalf of Joy and I, Esther, thanks again for joining us today. Oh my goodness. You guys are so amazing. Do people know how fun you are? Like, do they know how fun no. you are? Like, you can tell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead, please. <laughs> no, this is so much fun, you guys. Thank you so much for having me and just for trusting me. Oh, my goodness. I love what I do. And I thank you for what you guys do and the amazing gift that you guys are to the world of children's ministry and beyond. Just super excited. We are all in this together, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And if you don't know Esther Moreno, you know her now. I don't know how you didn't know her, but you know her now. And we're just looking forward to, to watching all the great things that God does in and through you, Esther. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, you can access the show notes for today's podcast at our Developing Leaders Impacting Kids website. Thanks so much for joining us today. And we look forward to connecting with you next month.